Megan, I like to argue, don't you? No, I don't like to argue, but you're a four. So that's like your DNA. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good note. That's a good note for, for me. Um, Enneagram fours, buttheads. Uh, buttheads total <laughs> buttheads <laughs> yeah i i do i do good and and the reason i don't really like it that's the thing i don't really like it but i'm willing mm-hmm. to do it because i for me as an enneagram four um i really do appreciate authenticity a lot mm-hmm. and i feel like when you argue you really get to know somebody really well uh i guess that's fair yeah, it kind I, of reveals reveals like all of the things that you don't that you normally mask and it, don't let people see. It does, and, and, and wrong buttons. Right, it's like when you when you make somebody mad enough, you know, and it's, that's not the not the point. But you you get into a position where you're really just talking about an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it feels like we're doing something great together, and I actually feel closer to a person when they're willing to argue with me a little bit. If that's not demented and twisted. No, I totally get that. And when you can argue with them and disagree with them and then turn around and still be cordial, mm-hmm. that's like, that's a breath of fresh air. Right. And and that's the, that's the kicker for me. It's like, I, I want to go into this discussion with you. I'm willing to hear your opinions and even be changed, but because, the, because the getting to it, the, the truth of it is important to me. But more so, it's important like getting to the truth of who you are is what's important. Now, if somebody decides to go, you know, be be a jerk, then that changes things for sure. Like mm-hmm. I, I want cordial discussion. But because at the end of the day, what I care about most is getting to know you, getting to know the issue, and becoming a better person. And, and there's high value in having a difference of opinions. Mm-hmm. There is. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner too. So I really want to be right. And I want everybody to agree with me. You know, that's, there, there's, that, that part is there for sure. Yeah. But even if I don't get that, I'm okay with going, okay, cool. You, you want to go grab dinner or, you know, it, it's, it's fine. I can put it aside yeah. uh, for, for the most part. It's, it's when you start treating people terribly. And I think we, we've seen a lot of that, especially online recently. It's There's, getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. I feel like all the time. And we're recording this in August. So whenever this episode comes out, um, I have, I have a lot of confidence that that's still going to be the case. <laughs> Uh, especially if it's before the election, it's going to be the case. Uh, Our hope is low. Yeah. My, uh, my optimism wanes, my optimism yes. wanes a little, uh, but, but it's still struggle. I, I think, I think we can, we can learn to be better. And I think that's what this time is really about, but just for fun today, um, cause it's fun to me. It's fun to you. you, know, you yeah. Um, I like playing devil's advocate a little bit. A little bit yeah. fun sometimes to kind of switch gears. What what are the we're going to go through some unpopular church comms opinions today? Amen. Blessed be. And, Let's do it. Okay. Um. And and these are opinions that you and okay. I. You just said okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you meant, but I'm moving through it. <laughs> okay. I I some of these I kind of loosely hold the some of these opinions. You know, like I'm okay. again I'm willing to to be disagreed with here because I know they're not popular. Obviously that's the whole point of this. And then I assume that's you too on some of the things that you contributed as well. I think we're absolutely right in our opinions about these things. <laughs> I shall hear no discussion. <laughs> Debate shall not happen. Debate is closed. We are speaking truth. No, I bet you and I probably have different differing thoughts 
on on some of these for sure. So yeah, and that is interesting. And that doesn't happen a lot with you and I. We we tend to be on the same page, so this will be fun. We can we can yell at each other a little bit for everyone's enjoyment. Cool. I'm so excited. <laughs> See, Megan's an Enneagram Seven, and that's terrifying to her. <laughs> yes, I do not like. I do not like confrontation. The only one that would hate it more is a nine. So that's going to be good. Uh, my wife is a nine, so she loves that part of me. It's her favorite, especially yeah. with my daughter who's just like me. And I start getting into arguments. She's like, gosh, shut up. Love this journey. <laughs> Love this. Oh, man, it's so good. All right, so let's just jump into it. Um, let's do it. First, I had on my list, this one's from me. Uh, social media isn't that important to your overall church communication strategy. My eyes widened. Yeah. Sir, please do tell more. <laughs> I'm looking, and and these are obviously like, these are extreme statements, right? So I, I don't think it's as important as we make it. Let's put it mm. that way. It is important to your strategy, and you know, it's part of it. But I think that we've given it this precedence because it's sexier. Mm. And there's and so many, doing. yeah, there's so many people like guruing about it you know, that you can grow it. And, and I think we've just kind of forgotten why we're trying to grow it and what we're trying to do with it. And I see social media as just a step in your whole process. And I myself am kind of guilty of, of proposing, you know, being a proponent of like social media is king and it's really not right. Right now, especially I feel like churches ought to be more focused on property that they own like their email list, their website, and even their website has like hosting and things that they don't own that can go down and you, you lose it. But I mean, Facebook is a, is the probably the biggest one next to YouTube, obviously. But uh, Facebook is in the, is in, is in some serious meetings with our government right now, you know? Yeah. To play the devil's advocate on that opinion. I, I feel like most churches don't value social media at all. And so I guess, mm. I guess, depending on where you are on that spectrum, yeah. what the unpopular opinion that you just said, it rings true. However, I think churches in general are struggling to have a, uh, a social media presence that works and is done well and engages people. Yeah. And right. I think when it comes to welcoming new members and engaging our community, if we have a strong presence on Instagram, then they're going to feel more comfortable to attend in person. Yeah, that's a good point. If they can be introduced to us through that easy barrier. And so I think it does really matter for uh that. And I don't know that churches value that enough. Yeah. But I could also see a lot of churches that over overvalue it and put all of their eggs into the Facebook ad basket or whatever. Yeah, you you bring up a good point. See, this this is why I wanted to have this discussion. I didn't really think about that. That maybe the perspective on social media for communicators is we overvalue it. Mm. And maybe for the church leadership or the church world, maybe they undervalue it. Or, yeah. well, and, and that's even, I've run into this with some clients and stuff that, you know, even still that it, it's a complicated kind of deal. Like the, the leadership are pushing them to do things that they feel are not the right things to do on social media. Yes. Because they overvalue it in the wrong ways and undervalue yes. it for the right things. Yes. That's the communicator's feeling about Like I see a lot of churches pastors. using social media as their announcement platform. Yes. Mm-mm. And, no, sir. And, and, and in kind of a, almost a, a swing of the pendulum the other way, communicators might be overvaluing it for things that 
you know, it is actually good for, but overvaluing that and undervaluing the fact that we do need to put out information and announcements or whatnot that the pastor is wanting to do. So yes. maybe, maybe there's some room on both sides of that statement to grow. I think that's, that's, that's a really good observation. So thank you. That was my hot take. Good, good call, Megan. See, this is why I wanted to do this. This is really good. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, this one was yours. Okay. Don't, I don't hide... have the list in front of me, so you just got to read it. I'll read it. Don't okay. hide negative comments. Oh yeah. This one really gets my gizzard, you know, <laughs> Whenever, aren't whenever, you the northerner on this? What do you say? Gets my gizzard for? I don't know. It just it feels it felt right, Seth. I get anyway, it. this this happens all the time on the church comms Facebook groups and yeah. you know in forums. People are yeah, just hide it, just delete it, et cetera, et cetera. And man, I feel like we're missing out on a ministry opportunity to really connect with that person who had a negative church experience Mm -hmm. and one either display humility and love or two show like to the public. So they see, this is how we respond. When somebody comes at us, we respond with love, right? We get to, we get to be show what Christ looks like here and, or we get to, offer healing for someone who had a really, really yucky church experience and they're lashing out on us because it's still not healed mm-hmm. and they're still struggling and they're still hurt. And that's why they made that comment because something that we said or did triggered it for them. But if we just delete it, that only ever solidifies the opinion that the church doesn't care. Yeah. And that just, that is like, that it means so much to me that we don't do that because it matters. Yeah, right. That person matters. And, and what yeah. they said, there's a reason that they said it. Absolutely. And I think we agree pretty much down the board on that one. I will play the devil's advocate a little bit though, for the larger church that has kind of the more, I would, I don't know, controversial type pastor, um, yeah. you know, or the trolls, just the people who are trolling. For there's the going to be, yeah, there's going to be an exception to that rule um, somewhere. In, in there, I think as well. And that's, that's true. I'm not just playing devil's advocate there. I think there's an exception to the rule sometimes with that, because if you find somebody that's belligerent, you know, just mm-hmm. really, really hammering you or your pastor is prone to say things in a high profile way that you get so many of these types of comments, there's no way for you to feel the ball for most communicators. It's, it's so few and far between the times that you really will see this, that you do have the time to take all this to take the time to really be a pastor and minister to them, reach out, go through the steps, you know, all the things that, you know, I've talked about, you've talked about, about how to handle people online and how to be loving and portray Christ. And we really do have that time. We can do it. Um, but there are some exceptions where it's just happening so much so fast. There's just no way to really keep up with it, especially like on a live stream. Those comments come flying in so fast. Yeah, that's fair. That's it's, totally it's, fair. It's really but in hard. general, in general, the one or two negative comments that you have most of the time when I see people talking about this, it's a single comment on a single post. Yeah. And and sometimes they're really bad. You know, like they really are bad. And yeah. it might benefit your whole audience to hide it, but then still respond to that post, still reach out to that post, still go through all those steps. But you know, I think there's there's definitely you, you can't just put up a policy of we just hide them all you know i think right. that's unloving right and it's not right to me it's not christ-like if but, this isn't a good reflection of us we hide it yeah because because yeah. again we're anytime you're like wow this embarrasses our church 
that's not that's not a biblical principle we're protecting. Mm-hmm. We're not mm-hmm. supposed to protect our church from embarrassment. Our church yeah. started by getting th- people getting thrown in jail, burned at the yeah. stake, you know, beaten while naked. You know, that that's embarrassing stuff. You know, we, we ought to be able to handle that a little bit. Right. Um, especially in America where we really do have quite a bit of freedom here still. And in a time when people like everyone in our church is also experiencing negative comments on their own posts. Yeah. We get to model what a healthy response looks like. Yeah. Because let's not forget we lead in this area too. And it's new. Social yeah. media is a new arena for how do we deal with each other as people? Because we all get on there and we drop our facades. And, and this is one of the things I love and hate about social is that you'll find out pe- things about your people on social media that they would never say to you or share with you in person, <laughs> which is crazy. So like you get more deeper info with a, a, a sh- more shallow relationship online and in person you get more of a, a deeper relationship. But I know about this with, especially with men and that I've, you know, been in groups with and stuff. It's like you get a, a better relationship, but it's very, very shallow. Yeah. It, which it, I don't know that women understand. Is that true? Is that fair to say? The, the women don't understand the the, the ability to have like a, a a deeper relationship that doesn't have a lot of information. You don't know a lot about each other. Yeah, I don't understand what that would be. I don't understand how you do like that. I don't want to pigeonhole and stereotype and and whatever. But in my experience, I've just to me as a, as a man, it's like I don't have to know how their family's doing or what, what they watched today or, you know, all those details. Yeah, that doesn't that, make any sense to me. It yeah. does not compute. Like when how I get do you with, have a deep relationship with someone if you don't know how their family's doing? Well, when I get, Hi, what's your name? When I get with like, my, this is an example. Okay. Here, this is kind of a sidetrack, but this, this should be fun. Um, divide our audience up even more. Um, when I get with my brother, I, my, my brother is three years younger than me. He lives in Austin and I don't see him a whole lot, but we call and we talk and whatnot, but he's one of my, he's my best friend. And when we get together and talk, we'll talk for an hour. And about nothing and about Star Star Trek, Star Wars, Star Wars. Sorry, <laughs> so but, offensive. But that's the thing. I'm just trying we'll to get, offend you. I'm we'll just get trying on to push the phone those buttons and talk for an hour. And I get off the phone, and my wife goes, "What'd you guys talk about?" And I was like, "Well, not, I don't even really remember." You know, and she's like, "What?" And then she goes, "What's uh, you know, remember. his daughter doing for school?" And I'm like, "I didn't ask about that. I don't know." It's like all the questions that she would have asked and figured out that she would consider like relationship building questions. I completely ignored. We both completely ignored and, and didn't care. It's like, we talked about uh, X-Men or star Wars. But you consider that a deep relationship. And we talked about comic, we talked about politics or we talk about mom and dad, you know, and you know, whatever, you know? So we, we discuss a myriad of, of things, but I often don't remember it. It's not like, we really connected deeply, you know, that kind of thing. We, we, we love getting together and playing video games and, and we were cool with that. Do like, you just not feel the need, the desire to connect deeply? We, we feel like it is connecting deeply. Oh. It, it, we, okay. we, it's like, that's the thing. It, we know it's really not, but we feel like it is. It's just like, this is what we like to do together. You know, this See, is, I get on the phone with my sister and I ask questions like, how is your soul? <laughs> yeah, never. Well, my brother, like and my brother hard. is a, is a, Hardcore atheist, so we don't really have that discussion too much. Um, he he would not know really what to say. What to that. that means? Yeah, 
And uh, I'm pretty sure you would be okay with me actually, saying that he's spoken. I don't actually ask her that question. I was saying that in like direct, con- like a high contrast, but like, right. we, that's what we talk about is like, yeah. Hey, like you're having this struggle at work. How do you feel about that? Like mm-hmm. what's, you know, how does that affect you? And are you taking that home with you? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, we talk about our kids a little bit, but not a ton. You know, we kind of, we have interests anyway. that we share. So we, we talk about those anyway. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a different world. So, um, that when you, when you bring all that to social media and how you deal with people, it's, it's going to hit different for different people, I think. And it is an interesting, you know, different area that we're all figuring out how to, how to navigate better. Okay. Let's right. go, let's go to the next one. This one was mine. Um, texting won't replace email. Like I, there's there's a there's a thing like hey texts get better open rates they do um texting instead of like like email marketing it's text message marketing yeah um i think that texting can be highly successful but i don't think it's going to replace email as the most used or most successful and he, and here's why um i feel like texting is more personal and a little bit more invasive and if we applied the principles that we have for email marketing now to text messages, think about how we get people's information and start sending text like we do emails as often. And we start trying to communicate so much like we do through email, through text. People will hate that. I think that is, that is too much. Um, so that's, that's my opinion. I, I feel like I, obviously we're predicting the future here, but um I feel like when you're texting, if I really want it, I'll allow it. But even then, if I get too many messages, it's, it's quickly, it quickly annoys me more than email would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I, I guess I'm, I'm over here cause I never actually, and maybe this is just me being a silly goose, but I never considered texting, taking over replacing email. You never did that it. No, like no, because they're totally different. Routes to me. Yeah. I think there, I think there is a thought out there that it's an either or with some of that. Like, I don't think anybody actually does either or. Yeah. But I think that when we're talking about how do we connect with guests, um, let's say you have a print ad or a, even a Facebook ad out there, you know, where do you direct them? Do you direct them to email? an email list or do you do text this to the phrase to this number? Here's the thing. I love texting right now because it's not super common. It's mm-hmm. not a thing that I'm being bombarded with. Yeah. I, I also love email, but my email inbox, it's so easy for me to miss things because I have so much junk mail Yeah. that it's really easy for me to miss. But when you text me, I see it. So right. I, imagine, I don't know. I don't know. But imagine that more people start to use text like email and your messages becomes like your inbox. Well, that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm, that's where I was going was once that starts to shift, then yeah. I'll be super annoyed with all of the texting because, because I don't want to deal with that every day. Because as you do, as more people do use texting services, which I think are, you know, I'm not knocking those things. You know, I love email. I think email is awesome. You know, I wouldn't say don't send emails to people just because that Mm -hmm. might be the case. I would say continue to do it, but just do it well. Because even through all that noise, if you send a good email, people will read it. Yeah. If you send a good text, you know, that that people will care about, then people will will read it and won't mind. 
But when there's a bunch of marketers in, out there that go, you know, we should start doing text and they start flooding people with that. It's going to drown all that out and you're going to miss things. It's going to be annoying. Real old, real fast. Yeah, because you think about it, your messages, and it used to be this way with email, is that email was between your friends and family to keep up. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't really from businesses and you know, organizations. And now that's like the that's like the bulk of email that I get. Yeah. So messages sure. on my phone now going ding, 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 ding. And, and it's And it's, you know, whatever company. I went to their website recently. That I don't even remember signing up for. I know. I know. Yeah. I get text messages like, for what? Wish. I'm like, how did that even happen? <laughs> why? Like, why are you texting me about stuff what? that I'll receive in six months if I order it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think that can be really annoying if if those yes. practices. So, something to think about too. I think on this is for email, especially, is the GDPR that happened in Europe, which is an opt-in heavy legislation that we don't have in America. So you can't do that in Europe. What what I just described, they have to agree to receive emails explicitly from you, uh, before you can email them at all. And in America, I don't love that as a marketer, but I love that as a human. Yeah. Well, it, it will complicate and it really doesn't complicate a ton for us either. It's just more of a, I think it helps, but you're right. It, you'll miss some of those fringe that you would have never emailed because they would never say yes. That then would say, Oh, I'm kind of glad I got that. And then go with whatever you're selling or whatever. But then the people on your email list are only people that really care to be on your email list. Mm-hmm. It I is, bet their open rates are real good. They are. It has increased the success of marketing uh, in Europe. It has increased um, open rates and all those other things that contribute to the bottom dollar for companies and, and actually is healthier. Because, like you, like we said, all this stuff is new. So email, you know, when that, that became popular and and common, you know, back in the days mm-hmm. of AOL or whatnot, then um, there was no regulation for that. You know, there's no way of saying yeah. like protecting the consumer and and telling marketers how to use it. They just kind of did what they wanted. Yeah. And I think the same is kind of here with text as well right now. It's like there's no real rule book for texting yet. There's just kind of some assumed things. I, I, so I don't know. I, th- I don't think it'll replace email because, again, to get any of the social media accounts, you have to have an email address. Like there's more active email addresses in the world than active social media handles combined. Wow, that's crazy. Yes. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Everyone has email, mostly. You have to. And, and there's a lot that you can do in email that you can't do in a text message mm-hmm. too. Yep. A lot. And and they're changing that now. I, I think texting is, is getting to where it's, it's a little bit more fluid and, and probably a better experience. And, you know, it is a much higher open rate. You get 20% and you're doing good for email open rates versus common. It's to have 90 or more percent open rates on text because who doesn't open their text? I would just say that they're, you should use them differently. Yes. And I think that's something we should look at as, as marketers, as church, you know, communicators going forward is that if you're going to use texting, I wouldn't use it for everything. I'd still stick with email on a lot of your stuff, but have those highly niche areas that you're trying to reach specific targets with student ministry. Texting is awesome. With mm-hmm. your young adults, texting is going to be great. You can use it there. Uh, even for marriage ministry stuff, if you have like a, a sliver of people that are, you know, get on some kind of text messaging deal to 
let you know when a blog is out or I don't know what you're doing, but that uh, type of thing in your church can texting can be really great. But, um, or, or even having like an alerts text of, yeah, I was just thinking of like events. Like if you're going to have an event, a reminder, Hey, I'd love for you to join me at blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And this is the, this is the mentality behind notifications and like a, a subsplash app or something you might have. It's the same kind of principle. Like how many notifications do you want to send to that app? I'd say, think about text messaging alerts kind of like that, but, um, but they're actually going to see it. So don't annoy them. Versus you might miss the notification in the app and not care. Right. Uh, cool. So let's go to one of yours. Um, any okay. other thoughts about that before we move on? I don't want to cut you off. Nope. Okay, good deal. Please continue. Okay. Uh, you said don't create daily content. Oh, yeah. So the thought behind that, or the thought behind this is don't create content every day for the sake of creating content that Mm -hmm. people don't care about Mm -hmm. because the algorithm is going to work against you. They're going to say, they're going to see you putting in all this stuff that nobody's engaging with. And they're going to think that you are creating stuff that nobody cares about. And so when you create something that's really good, they're not going to show it to people. Yeah. And I think, I think we post too much. We don't post the right things a lot and we post way too many things and we don't have to be active every day. We just don't like, we don't have to post every day. I think engaging with people, responding to comments, commenting on other things, sharing stuff that other people have shared, do those things every day. But you don't have to post daily. Don't yeah. post daily unless you're freaking Gary V, who's got bomb content all the time. Yeah. You know, but like most of the time, it does, I mean, it doesn't have to be super professional, but it does have to be engaging and something people want to do something with so yeah and i would say raise your hand and if you're driving just raise one hand uh <laughs> if you're if you raise your hand if the thought of posting of not posting to your church social media account today or one day is terrifying yeah. you know it, it's the thought of not doing that is so scary to some of us because mm-hmm. we think we need to post every single because consistency is key. Or we're going to lose momentum. We're going to lose momentum. Um, we're going to, you know, be forgotten about. We need to show up every day. Um, those are all things that I've heard and said at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that. And I think at one point it was true. I do too. I, that's what I'm saying. I think that things are are shifting. Yeah. I I think there is a shift because. <laughs> How do we how to describe this? It matters more that it's something I care about to see than that I saw you. Culture changes, use of social media changes, algorithm changes all the time. We have yeah. to be we have to be willing to adapt our strategy continuously. And what worked six months ago might not work today. And we just we gotta be okay with that. And yeah. so and, and posting would- daily no longer works. And, and I think we both agree that if you're, like you said with Gary Vee, if you're posting content people really love and care about every day and you can that do it every high day. high value. Great. Do it. Post it every day. Yeah. Because consistency is key. That's still true. But if I can consistently post three times a week, good stuff versus posting three good ones and two or three groaners, mm-hmm. then drop the groaners, drop the bad oh. posts, you know, the drop the things that you don't, matter and for for many of us in the church world you know some of our worst performing content are announcements yeah yeah 
you know, and so it's like, it's kind of like when you look at it like that, well, did we drop all announcements on social media? I mean, it, can I play devil's advocate on my own, sure. on my own point? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the other side of that is that it's really difficult to know what will stick. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you got to kind of throw a lot at the wall to see what works and what you think will work and what actually works are often very different. That ha- that happens all the time. I, I post something and I'm like, well, this is a doozy. And then it gets high engagement rates. I'm like, well, I guess people really cared about that popsicle stick or yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so there is a little bit of that in there too. There's balance in everything, but posting for the sake of posting, I think is not something that we need to value. Um, Agreed. but I think, but I think posting a, a great variety, A-B test things, figure out why, like try to analyze why things are working. Be willing to throw out something you think isn't, isn't great because your audience might like it and then learn from it. Yep. I th- and that actually brings me to a, my next unpopular opinion that I have uh-huh. okay. um, that we can, I just want to tag onto this because it's kind of two sides of this coin. Numbers yeah. aren't always the most important thing. Who? Numbers. Numbers. Like, oh, like, yes. Well, you know, putting that into practice, kind of talking about what we're talking about here is I might have content that performs really, really well, that gets shared, that gets comments, that gets likes, that people seem to want to talk about, but actually isn't the best content for what I'm trying to do on my platform. Hmm. You know, like maybe. Tell you, me more about that. Well, that's, that's the, that's the catch. It, it goes back to what are your goals for your social media account? You know, what are your goals for your Instagram? If your one of your goals is not announcement, like keeping information out in front of people, then posting announcements is a bad idea. But if one of your goals is to get information out in front of people and you post announcement stuff and you know, it's a lower performing post, you're actually hitting your goal. You know what I'm saying? You're actually that's hitting. An that's an interesting thought. Then you're hitting but your then, goal. But, but then I might challenge you. You need to reconsider your goals. Well, I would too. But what I'm saying is, is that even if it's a bad goal, that's your goal and you hit it. So <laughs> my goal is to not have anybody see this at all. Well, and, and it kind of goes. 100% in, success rate. And we'll get into this in a little bit because sometimes as a social media manager or a communication director, you're handed decisions that you don't agree with. And sure. you have to hit those goals because that's. Sure. That's what you are expected to do. And even though you might know that's not the right thing we should be doing with this, that's what you're expected to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so you have these goals that are, um, and it may have something to do with a ministry initiative or something that you really don't understand that has been handed to you that you're supposed to do. And you're like, this doesn't really work this way, but you got to make it work. And so that, that kind of gets into, like I'm doing my job. I'm trying to support a vision, even if it doesn't really work for this platform. I have these goals I have to hit. So I'm hitting, trying to hit these goals. I don't know that saying that I, I want, so what you just said about, I want to, one of my goals is to get out information out in front of people. And then I post something and it has low engagement. You didn't hit your goal because it has low engagement. I think that's what you say back to the to the person who gave you bad goal. But I I feel like your your goal is to get information out. You did get it out to some. <laughs> 3 people saw this. Right. It wasn't great, but you did it. And how many sure. how many events at church are celebrated as a success because yay, we did it. Yeah. Well, I mean that I mean that now we're kind of getting into what goals are and what we should be measuring. 
Yes. Like that, that could be one of the, that could be one of our unpopular opinions too, is that we're measuring the wrong things. Stop mm -hmm. measuring numbers, stop measuring butts and seats. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we need to be measuring like, gro like spiritual growth. Yeah. Like, you know, we you need to be measuring how are we, how are people moving? How are we moving the needle and drawing them closer to Jesus? Yeah. And that's the conversation you have to have with those that, that are in leadership and try to train up, lead up, um, and try to explain that type of thing in a way that's, you know, meets, cause here's the thing you've got some things that will be given to you. Like, why would we talk about, I don't know, like build, if you're building a building, mm -hmm. um, you need to raise money for that, right? Money needs to come in for that. It's a, it's a financial yes. campaign. Well, we need to talk about that on social media. And when people scroll Instagram, it's not the place they really think, oh, I'm going to be confronted with giving here. Right? True. So, True. so we need to get the word out about it. It's one of the channels we get word out and when we need to raise $2 million for a building and we're under budget, we're under, under already, we're like behind. We're not going to use one of our communication channels to tell people about it. Well, that's content marketing. Yes. Like it's all about context. How, not it's talking about, about how you do it. Yeah. You know, cause, cause I think that's where the communicator comes in and gets creative and says, here's how we can talk about this. But, yes. but the idea of like, we know that even if we do this really well, it's probably not going to be a high performing piece of content because it's about money and nobody likes to talk about money. Yeah, I guess I could see that. I mean, I see organizations that do that really well though, but that's what the organization is based around. Yeah. Right. Like it's yeah. a, it's a nonprofit that is, um, you know, doing social justice work. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. all they talk about is donate. Here's what your donations are doing. Here's what your whatever. But like yeah. I follow them because I donate to them and I want to see what my donations are doing. Mm -hmm. I don't follow my church because I tithe and I want to see. Yes. Well, I guess, I, I guess exactly. in some way I want to see what my tithes are doing, but like, <laughs> but like, that's not why I follow. Right. Yeah. That's a weird. And and, and when I'm, I say that's a weird motivation. If that's your motivation for following your church, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and I, and I agree with you. So I, I think I'm, I'm okay with if I'm end up being wrong on this, but um, you know, I feel like numbers, we always say numbers are not important. And then we look at numbers to tell us how we're doing. So yeah, they are, but they're not always the reason why we do what we do, you know? And I think that the dichotomy that we put ourselves in, and maybe it's a false dichotomy is that um, communicators, and I'm, I've said this data drives good decision-making. I believe yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you do something that is kind of outside of that scope because the spirit has led you to do it. Mm -hmm. And I, and I want to leave room for that. You know, even mm -hmm. in our social media, it's like maybe God wants you to post something on finances on your Instagram and he's going to blow it up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's, yeah. I want to leave room for that in our understanding of communications is that we don't need to get married to the data to a point where we can't listen to the spirit. Mm. You know, well, that's kind of what I'm I, getting at. And I think when we're measuring numbers, here's the thing about measuring numbers is that numbers are not reflective of success, right? Not always, we can yeah. have a lot of, for example, we have a lot of people attend an event. Did they enjoy that event? No idea. 500 people were there. We count that as success, but maybe 450 of them walked away thinking that was terrible and I don't want to come back. Yeah. Or zero people 
grew spiritually mm-hmm. and we're still going to call that a success. Yeah. Right. Like, what are we here for? And are we, are, is what we're measuring a reflection of what we're here for? Yeah. That's good. I like that. Right? Well, I'd love to hear people's thoughts on that one. Cause that was, that was a little bit further around the bend than, than we've been on the other ones, but I want to get to this just, last one. Just around the river bend. Oh my gosh. Beyond the shore. Pocahontas, man. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> um, our last one that we had, our, our last unpopular opinion is the one I wanted, wanted to get to and give it some time because I think this one's very controversial too. Um, well, snap, we, I know where you're going. We couldn't really figure out how to say this. So yeah. I wrote a couple things down and then we're just going to try to explain it. Your leadership, in other words, like your pastoral leadership, mm-hmm. isn't always your problem in comms. So the other thing I said is don't, that you said, don't criticize your leadership for not giving you authority. Um, so let's talk about what we mean here, because that's, yeah. that's kind of confusing what we're really getting at. So I, I think what we were thinking about was that we've kind of normalized like trash talking our leadership for not doing things the way that we think they should be done, not giving us the, giving us the responsibility, but not the authority, whatever. Like there's all kinds of complaints that we have and we've normalized complaining in public right? for the sake of making ourselves feel better, making other people feel better venting. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, that's kind of unbiblical. Yeah. Um, I, I see it as like, how did let me give you an example. Someone comes up in a, in a Facebook group or with this, with this issue. Right. And they want help on the issue and they may want yes. legitimate help. They really yes. do. They not know how to navigate this. So it's fair. It's a fair question. Yes. Basically I've been handed a bad decision. I don't know what to do. You know, like I, I, th- this is the pastor is not doing this X, Y, Z and they don't understand, or I don't get to be in the meetings when, you know, they're making me decisions and you know, there's, and, and those are legit complaints, right? I mean, my, those are, those my are, pastor wants me to, here's a specific, my pastor wants me to send postcards. And every time we do, we get massive complaints from the community about them. There you go. And it wastes a ton of money and we have no idea how, to, how they do. And I have all these things, reasons why we shouldn't do it. How do I do this? But how do I do this? Well, right. And, mm-hmm. and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. It's like, maybe it's one of those things that we do because it's not going to ever give us the numbers we really want. It doesn't really fit into best practices for us, but pastor wants to do it. So we do it. Right. 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 And so then we vent about it. Um, I, I think there's room there for us to kind of take some ownership of leading up and you can't always do it well, but I, I notice in those threads, when you see those kinds of questions, there's always, you're going to get a lot of bad advice. You're going to get a lot of bad advice there because they're going to miss your context. And I would say gravitate in those, in those groups, in those threads to the people who start their advice by asking you more clarifying questions. Cause you've, often never given them enough context to really help you. And so when they start going, well, what's the situation there? What's the structure like? What is your relationship with this leader? Like, you know, what is their job description say? Um, all those types of questions that clarify kind of how you should go about doing that. And then, uh, I would gravitate towards those, but I feel like we, we often, 
want to criticize without realizing that we could have actually done a little bit too to make that a better situation. I'm thinking about the book by Clay Scroggins, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. Yeah, that's a great like, book. Like there are always things that we can do in our own role and to lead well in our own role in our way and, and with what we have, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to be, if my job is to sweep this floor, I'm going to be the best sweeper, sweeper of the floor that I can be. Yeah. And in everything that I did, even when I didn't have the authority that I needed, I if I didn't have the positional authority, I generated relational authority. Yeah. And people trusted me. And so I was able to do more in my role because I had a relationship with people that maybe I didn't have the positional authority to say, this is what we need to do. But I had the relational equity there for them to trust me to do my job well and to know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Because... And and I think as an example, yeah, I think, I think that one of the ways that we build that is by, uh, it's something I had to learn too. Like my first year into being a communication director, um, I realized that we were, we had taken kind of this passive approach to what we do. And, and what I mean is we were waiting for departments, ministries, leaders to tell us what to do before we did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was almost like we're not, we're not going to create things until an order has been placed, but yet didn't want to be treated like an agency, wanted to be a leadership team. And it was like, we're not leading anything. We're not proactively looking for how we can serve and help and getting that information because we know we're going to need it instead of waiting for them to do it and then saying, well, you didn't give it to us when they don't get what they want. That kind of back and forth and between your comms department and other departments can really put a strain on not only your relationship, but your workload and your relationships with, with, with your leadership, because your leaders will see that and go, this comms team is kind of, kind of jerks, you know, they're not yeah, really trying to well, help us out. I mean, that kind of takes us back to the, like the crux of what we were talking about. I don't know. I, I understand that it's really difficult. I, I'm, I've been in that role that it's really difficult and sometimes it's helpful to express our, our criticism, but we also have to consider what that does to the people around us, what that does to our relationship with our leadership and what that does to us. Yeah. Um, when we, when we verbalize disdain for someone Mm -hmm. or disrespect for someone, especially that's in leadership over us, right? Like, We want to talk about biblical authority and, um, I get it. I mean, I have been treated terribly in church roles before, and I have not responded well in those church roles, but I also think I have a responsibility to honor the role that I'm in. And the, we, we were talking about this before the episode started. There's two sides of that. I need to honor the people who are in leadership over me Yeah, and, and ask myself the question, um, am I being, is this, is this a healthy silence? Like, am I being, am I, am I holding my tongue in a healthy way or am I being intimidated into silence? Those are mm. two different things we need to, you know, if it's an abusive environment, no, like, yeah, I do not think in any way scripture tells us that we need to stay in an abusive environment that is like disrespectful and, and harmful to us. Sure. Right. Like that's not what we're saying, mm-hmm. but on the other side of that, like, man, I just, I feel like we're normalizing this, like tearing down of like, of pastors and, oh, they just don't get it. Ha ha ha. Like we're trying to create the solidarity of church comms that mm-hmm. we're not valued and it's fine to like disrespect our leadership. 
in that process. And I just don't think that's, I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's honoring. I agree. I, I agree. It's, it's easy to do because it's us and them, you know, we all get it. They don't get it. And, you know, that's, that's a fine line between a healthy assessment of the situation and badging, bashing, you know, somebody mm-hmm. and criticizing yeah. it. And, I, yes. and I've been in those unhealthy situations before. I'll tell you, I, I was, uh, I was at a church once that were like, you can't criticize the leadership at all. And it was like, people get fired for it. And, yeah. and with no, no, like warnings, nothing. It was like, you get fired. And the story they used was of Moses. And when Moses was uh, God's prophet and the people were being led out of Egypt, you know, Aaron was the priest and his wife, his wife, the priest's wife, Miriam, uh, starts talking to Aaron and saying, Hey, um, Moses speaks to the people, but are you not also God's anointed? You know, are you not also the leader? And, and so they go to Moses and they try to do something. I forget what they're trying to do, but, um, they basically are trying to undermine Moses and, uh, Moses is like, Oh, why did you do this? And so God strikes Miriam with leprosy and he says, how dare you speak out against God's anointed? And so I've, I've seen churches take that verse and say, see, when you're anointed in leadership, you can't talk about the pastor in a negative way. You can't say what they did was wrong. You can't speak out and criticize. And it becomes this unhealthy, uh, abusive situation of power that right. it, it does not take a lot to get there. And mm-hmm. I feel like when you're in a situation like that, um, not only is that not what that's about, it's not right. that, that story's right. point. Uh, the point is about prophets. And unless you're willing to be stoned by your prophecies coming, not coming true, then you don't have that kind of authority. You know, that well, kind of authority is not, not yours anymore. And there's a big difference in that scenario between accountability and disrespect. Yes. Like those are two different things. Mm-hmm. We can hold people with accountability without disrespecting them or dishonoring them or throwing them under the bus in public. Yeah. We can do that. And going to a leader and saying, Hey, here's how I'm feeling about this right now is accountability. Yeah. Help me understand. Posting on Facebook that my pastor is an idiot is disrespect. You know, and that's, that's different when, even if you're doing it in a group and like my pastor doesn't get this or pastors are this or pastors are that, you know, and it's kind of disrespectful. And like, I, I have talked to pastors a lot. So when I, when I'll blog about, here's what pastors tend to do, I, I'm, I, I have to really be careful about how mm-hmm. I, I talk about that because I don't want to be disrespectful. That's never my intent. It's always meant to like, Hey, pastors, here's something you need to look at but I'm talking to a bunch of them at once. So it's out in public, right? It's not trying to be disrespectful, but when right. you're talking about your pastor, you'll notice I never name churches that I worked at or people at that church. Even if I am using that as an example, I'm not going to disrespect them by pulling them and throwing them under the bus. And I think sometimes in your, in your groups, it's like, I go to this church and here's what a pastor, I won't say who it is, Well, we can look them up. You know, it's like we know who that is. You know, there's things you, you have to just be careful about how you talk about your pastors and leaders because they will probably hear about it or see it as well. Well, and for your own spiritual health. Yeah. Like your own spiritual health, don't do it. Mm-hmm. it it's not something I think honors God. And I feel like it, it just creates more of a rift between two groups that need to work together so desperately right now. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, there's a give and take to every relationship. and 
I get it. You know, a lot of communicators I talk to don't feel like they have the respect they deserve. And I think they're right. And, and they might be right, but Jesus didn't have the respect he deserved. Yeah. Stuck him on a cross. You know, it's like we can, we can bear that burden. And it's, gonna, it's hard, but we can bear that burden um, and, and try to navigate that. Um, you know, that's, I've felt that before, too. You yeah. know, I've, I've been in that position, and I did not like it, man. And I didn't always handle it really well either. But yeah. it's like you know what you should do. You just don't always do it because you don't always feel like doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there's thing, there are things that you can do to lead up. And and to really try, I, I always go back. This is a crazy thing to quote Jack Sparrow from uh, Pirates <laughs> oh, of the Caribbean. Jack Sparrow. I'm so <laughs> glad you brought him up. It's uh, you know, you can only choose between what a man can do and what a man can't do. And he says, for instance, can you sail underneath the pirate, or can't you? Because if you can't, get in the water, you know. And, and so it's like sometimes we feel like this. Like, what can you do? What can't you do? You know, it's really yeah. that's you got to deal with the reality of the situation. Like, can you mm-hmm. serve under a leadership you feel don't understand or respect what you do? Can you work with that? Can you make that better? Can you sail under that flag? You know, yeah. and I think that we have to be able to decide and, and stick with that decision. Are uh, we called to this place? Is this where we're called to? Mm-hmm. And how do I make this work if I am? Yeah. Because if, if not, then I need to be somewhere I can lead well. Right. Because if God's called you to that place, he's called you to that pastor. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and there is Oof. preach it, man. something there that you, maybe, maybe God's trying to work on in you and using that leader to hammer it out. And if you leave, you'll miss it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not always a bad thing. So it, it's not always easy. But it's not always a bad thing. And here's the thing when it comes when in, in leadership, one thing that I'm learning uh, is that, you know, a lot of times we don't understand why our leaders make a decision that they've made. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the wrong one to us. Or why aren't we getting promoted quickly enough? Or why did that person get promoted? Or why why are they communicating this that way? Or yeah, I don't know, whatever the reason is. I think one thing I'm learning in leadership is that there are often so many decisions that I have to make that I know will not make sense to yeah. everyone. And I also cannot tell them why with integrity. Yep. I cannot keep my integrity and honor the people around me and give the full why to everyone. I just can't. Mm-hmm. And I, I have learned... I have one too many times second guessed my leader and too late learned the why and felt like a total dunce because man, I was, you know, I, I was skeptical and questioning and angry or whatever. And then, wow, there was a really good reason behind that, that I just did not know. Yeah. And I could not have known. Same here. And, and I've been on the other side of that where I had a team that I could not share certain information with but I had to share the decision and it yep. was so hard to see them go, well, why, what is it? Cause we had a relationship. They felt like they could, you know, talk to me and I always, you know, welcome that. And for me to just go, Hey, this decision's done. We, we can't really discuss it. Um, I didn't handle that really super well. Um, you know, cause it was like, Hey, I'm tired of fielding this ball. This is decided, make your peace with it. You know, and that's not good leadership either, but it was, uh, I had, I felt like I needed to say that because I couldn't say what I needed to say to him to explain why this has been done. And, you know, it hurt him. We had to have like a powwow, like, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, that I, that I handled it that way. That was not the way I wanted to handle that. 
Um, and I don't know all the answers, but there's sometimes things I just can't discuss with you or, you know, I can't explain why, or I don't need to explain why I need to do just to let's just go. Mm-hmm. And I need you to yeah. trust me. And, you know, it's like, that's, that's, I think the issue is that trust piece is that I'd really not been there long enough and, and gone through enough with them and worked on that trust piece with them enough to be able to say, Hey, I can't tell you, but let's go on. It's like, I had to, I had to do a little backtracking, a little bit of work there. And, you know, it was one of the flaws of my leadership is I jumped in and let's just go, you know, without developing some of that relationship. So part, when I talk about relationships in the office, a lot of it is from experience. (laughs) Here's what you don't do. Here's how I failed. Here's why that didn't go so well. And what I would have done differently. Could I do it again? Um, Here's what I did. Don't do that. Don't do this. (laughs) I feel like I'm, I'm just a walking cautionary tale in most of these things. Uh, so, Hey, I'm the guy that's going to teach you what not to do. And, and, and so many people ahead of me are going, yeah, we knew that. Yeah. yeah maybe this is the podcast for you. <laughs> <laughs> so move along. Uh, no problem. No worries. No harm. Uh, so anyway, those are some of our po- unpopular opinions. I, that's all I had on my list. So I, I, I love these kinds of conversations because again, I love playing the devil's advocate and, um, really hammering some of this stuff out. Um, so I, hopefully this was helpful for our listeners. I'd love to hear the unpopular opinions that they share. Uh, and that you're not too offended. <laughs> we love you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You like, don't agree with these. Well, and here's the thing. This is one of the things I love about these kinds of podcasts, this topic of unpopular opinions, because not just because, you know, I like to stir the pot and it's fun. It is. But I, I think having a nuanced discussion is a lost art form in the world of church communications and well in the church world in general uh, can we just say the human world in the human like, world i just think humans struggle with this in general in the now. world of humans in the nuanced, world of humans yeah like in the, a world of humans <laughs> it's like the beginning of a national geographic in the world of humans we see the difficulty of nuanced discussion notice the male predator online <laughs> typing his angry feelings out with his fingertips oh, rapidly backsp- pressing the keyboard. He backspaces. He knows that this will be an <laughs> ill-fated attempt. <laughs> that's so good. Oh, that's so good. Uh, we need fun. to make that video. Uh, it would be, be really, really good. It would be watched by no one. Um, <laughs> We'd enjoy it, though. <laughs> we Any, would love okay, it. It would be fun for us. Moving on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our unpopular opinions. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm Seth, that's Megan, and hopefully we'll see you again here very soon. Have a good day, have a good week, and God bless. See you.